You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. It's Locked On Hornets, brought to you by rockauto.com. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sends you. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. And you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get them. Also, follow us on Twitter, at Locked On Hornets at Not of the Scribe, and at Walker Mail. If you didn't know my Twitter handle before Thursday's episode, I have to imagine you know it now. Because Nada, we talk about <laughs> mentions being blown up pretty frequently, and 99.9% of the time, it's you saying that. In fact, the only reason I don't want to go the full 100 is just to allow for error, but oh, I can't think of a time where I've ever had my mentions blown the bleep up. But I'll tell you what. People were mad at me on Thursday, Friday, a little bit going into the weekend. People were mad at me. They know my Twitter handle now at Walker mail type angry. A picture of the angry cat putting his paws all over the keyboard. You're welcome. (laughs) Let me let me go ahead and tell Walker why Terry Rozier's contract is actually good. Damn it. Sit. (laughs) Whoo. Not a people were not happy with your boy. Oh, Welcome. Welcome. Like, look, here's the funny thing. I never thought that I would ever be able to shed the label of being the negative one on the podcast. And then the Terry Rozier contract, which you had been foreshadowing that you weren't going to like for at least 18 months. You were like, move off this contract for 18 months. Like, people got mad at you for being you. That's like literally being <laughs> mad at a tiger eating you for being in the tiger cage. Literally. That's what we're mad at, folks. Y'all mad at him for being him. And I, here I am like, yep, I understand because I've been working with this man for the last 18 months. And essentially, we've been saying he's been saying the same thing. I mean, literally, they, they had to know it was coming. Yeah, like, year. I mean, at least you you can like, still be mad at that. And I get it. I don't get and it. And I was I was not happy with the deal. You and I went a couple of rounds and people were pounding their chest about Terry Rozier. He is the guy. And they were yeah. all supporting you, which is totally good, which I, that's fine. I'm not used to Walker. I'm not used to being the man. Of the man, beat. people. I'm used to being in your well, spot. I'm used to being the heel. Yeah. You're not typically the baby face. <laughs> Here I am working the heel, and again somehow we did a double turn where I'm the the be- the baby face and you're the heel, and somehow and this has slowly been this is, but this has been me slowly taking that role of the negative one just ever so slightly until boom Terry Rozier gets handed that contract and then I'm all the way in the dark I am all the way the guy that you are calling the negative one compared to both of us because you're right. It, it goes into an off season that I just wasn't the biggest, biggest fan of. And I, I didn't hate it before the Rogier signing and, and still hate is a strong word. I, I don't know if I would say I hate what the Hornets did, but before the Rogier contract, you know, I'd said that I wasn't the biggest fan of the Ubre contract and why I had my problems with it, but I, I could see why I just had my other options. I would have liked to have pursued, you know, Lori Markin and 
kind of ahead of Kelly Oubre, right? Like I had grown more intrigued with that, but it's not like I thought that was a slam dunk compared to Kelly Oubre. I thought Josh Hart would have been somebody I liked more, but then they go after Oubre. Devontae Graham for the contract, but I also mentioned a million times I do value the first round pick, even though there's less value coming from it than I thought, because if it doesn't convey this season, then it goes to two second rounders. You know, the draft, I right? Like I had mentioned, James Booknight will be the last player that's drafted that makes me feel decent. And and sure enough, that's who they draft. And so things that I had put out there before, it would happen that way. And that's what made me feel this way, right? Like I just, you know, it was just kind of odd the offseason. I didn't expect it. I wanted them to go in some different routes. And then the one thing I'd been saying, right, 25 mil to Terry Rozier year, it's not something I wanted. And then I stated that very much so on Thursday, but I don't want to be the negative one. I don't like it over here, Nada. Oh, I don't wow. want to. Oh, it's cold. I over know. Here. You're out in the cold now and you want to be brought back <laughs> in and you want everybody to love you again. I do. And it just don't work like that. Walk well, up. I don't know about like, again, just thing. period. You know, I just didn't want people like, like, to. You want people to feel that you want people to love yeah. you and this, that and the third. Welcome to my life, buddy, where I happen to say something really, really negative. Or let, let's just go about that. Let's go about it this way. I might say something as controversial as. P.J. Washington and his relationship will never be a real discussion on this podcast because it doesn't affect anything per se on the floor. And then I peep someone, someone, someone will be that guy and be like, no, uh, because he came into the season out of shape. He came into this. Something here, like something along the lines of that. And again, so welcome again. This is just your in- initiation. Yeah. Dog, we on a heater. We, this is this is just gonna happen. This is part of the game now. Like you again, again, they love you as a hero until you stay too long and become mm-hmm. the villain. You just happen to stick around a little too long and come with a little bit too much common sense because again, this was literally Thursday was a difference of an op- of opinion, and that's what ended up happening. We disagree on this, but at the same time, like. I was out here saying, like, I understand where Walker's coming from, y'all being too hard. And thank you, I'm Nada. Sorry that happened to oh, me. you're you I, are the I, sweetest. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Like, I'm sorry that happened to you. <laughs> it's gonna happen again. Um, welcome. Thank you. And all, all you gotta do, all you gotta do, and this is the best part about it, just mute notifications. Mute notifications turns everything into just La 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 la. You put your you put your fingers in your ears and you go about and enjoy your. Well, weekend. and here's the th- like, look, man. Here's the thing. All part of this is is for the performance, right? There was nothing that was too. I mean, there wasn't anything mm-hmm. crazy disrespectful or anything that I just got like a lot of bras. I got a lot of reasonings. Walker, you're so negative, but that's the thing, man. I just, I, I and still the rebuttals, they they don't make enough sense for me to like this, right? I think the most common rebuttals. To my point for why I didn't like the Terry Rozier signing, it was who else they were going to sign. What player were you going to go get instead? He was going to get more money on the open market next year because the free agent class is going to be more dried up. And that's very similar to what people were arguing for when the Charlotte Hornets signed a Gordon Hayward. The other rebuttals are that he is monumentally more so important to this team than Devontae Graham. And, you know, there's just a lot of things. Those were all the rebuttals. And I didn't hear anything that made me think, you know what, maybe I need to rethink this. People will point to the Dan Devine article that's good and thought out and informative and and great. Dan Devine put it out there on the ringer. But there are still big 
monstrous points that I disagree with, where he mentions the core of Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, and LaMelo might not be good enough to go to the top of the beast in the Eastern Conference, along with the extensions looming for Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington, but at least it'll be a fun team that's competitive, and I put my palms in the air where if this goes back to our disagreement, what constitutes success as to what this offseason can bring and competitive as a core down the road with what you have in store and what money you have allocated to players it doesn't do enough for me and i think that there's a limit on that and that's a big fundamental disagreement i have with divine's uh piece that he wrote in the article also the shooting right where people prioritize terry rogier shooting where if you go to the catch and shoot numbers for Devonte, they're not as good as terry who's elite but Devonte very close. The catch and shoot numbers were excellent for Devonte Graham last year. And if you don't want to take the ball out of LaMelo's hands, which you shouldn't, then Devonte is going to have close to the same impact on the perimeter as what Terry could. And so those are some of my reasonings. But there you go. That's the response to the Terry Rozier hate for me as far as why people didn't like my opinion on Thursday. And I am going to fully embrace Terry Rozier, and hopefully he can continue the two-point percentage that he did last year. He can continue to be lights out from the perimeter, which has always been true, and I've always given him credit for being just a nutso shooter the last couple of seasons. That's fantastic. Hopefully, defensively, he comes around. But from this point on, nada, I will embrace Terry. Of course, I've always wanted him to be good. You ain't got no choice but to do that at That's correct point. as well. That's correct as well. But also, it's just that I, yeah, of course, I want Terry to do well. It all goes back to me just thinking it wasn't the smartest idea. But Terry was awesome in shooting numbers, and we've got our, our love for Terry in certain areas, and there you go. Hopefully, like, you can Here's do the that. thing, and, and this is the last thing we'll talk about it for at least for a little bit. One thing I'm noticing is that you're seeing even the most moribund franchises that are not named Oklahoma City compete or make moves to compete. And this is building on a theory that I've kind of had for a little bit. But these teams can't be out here shamelessly tanking when their money isn't necessarily guaranteed. This is going to go into why I think it, again, we're going to get into schedule and over under totals and everything else like that in the yeah. next segment. But this is kind of why I've factored this in. Like this is probably going to be one of the most competitive seasons of NBA basketball in a long time because people have to deter have to give people reasons to show up to NBA arenas. Everybody's got to be competitive because their money's not necessarily guaranteed. It's not like it used to be pre-pandemic. So I think that legitimately you had you have to keep people interested in the product. And I don't think enough people are bringing that factor up. So I do understand why you're saying, yes, but we could save it for later and use it for this, use it for that. I do think, though, that Terry was going to get poached on the open market if they allowed him. And I, I think it was a good bit of business. I understand why you think the way you do. And I do think that there's a good chance this, this comes back and bites them in the ass. <laughs> but at the same time, this was not this was necessary business. Yeah, I can understand their thinking. And again, I didn't want uh, I understand your point 100% on tanking. I don't I wasn't wanting the Hornets to tank like I wanted them to take a different step. But I do agree with you like this season, 
man, it is going to be impressive. Stephen A. Smith out here is being the shock jock that he is saying it's going to be maybe the best NBA regular season of all time. <laughs> so Stephen A. throwing that out there. Um, yeah. I don't know about that, but it should be a really fun one. All right, Nada, we've gone over. Of course, we were going to. We've got the NBA schedule to talk about in the next couple of segments, and there is a over under number released by our buddies bet online. But before we talk about them, let's talk about sweat block and the great product that it is both of us as it currently stands, not joking people. We are both sporting the sweat block deodorant as we record this podcast. Look, we are not only people that will shamelessly shell anything. We believe in the product. We wear the products we absolutely believe in. And so we're going to, again, I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about sweat block and the grant granted. Sweat is not the most easiest thing to talk about at this point. It's not fun. It is embarrassing at times. But you know what? Again, I enjoy this product, Sweat Block. It allows me to pick the stuff that I can wear. Again, I can basically wear what I want without confidence. And, buddy, let me tell you, I've tried this deodorant for about the better part of a week. And let me tell you, I'm going to be highly 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 reticent to choose anything other than sweat block it allows you to basically just apply it at night before bedtime go to bed next day you wake up you wash off and you go about your day without having to worry about sweat anywhere i know this sounds too good to be true but i've got to use sweat block again especially the deodorant every day and it keeps me dry the entire time no pitting out no more picking my shirts based on which one will hide the sweat better now, if you or someone you love is dealing with this, you got to check out Sweatblock. Now, go get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com using our promo code locked on or at Amazon or at CVS. Trust me, with the temperatures being the way they are, where it's a real feel of about 90 or again, 94 in the Carolinas, I cannot recommend this product any higher. Go out, go check out Sweatblock and see the difference y'all all right man sweat block it's a great product go sport it right now we'll take a quick break let's talk about the nba schedule release and how it pertains to the charlotte hornets it's coming up next on the locked on hornets podcast this is locked on hornets i don't like doing that unless like i am totally annoyed i don't drop the big joker in spades or that early i don't drop the big joker I only do it when I am officially annoyed and I don't want to have this conversation. And I'm going to be real honest with you, Walker. I the last thing I want to be talking about at 10 at night is Blake Griffin and the possibility of him coming here. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And if you want to, you can go right now and bet on the over under number set for the Charlotte Hornets season. We'll get to in a moment, a moment. So you don't have to sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for the runs to the playoffs in the MLB, or they're about to start the season in just a couple of months in the NBA. The football season is about to get going. It's going to be a lot of fun. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus. On your first deposit, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on. Bet Online, our buddies, they set the over under, Nada, for the Charlotte yes, Hornets season did. and what we can expect from them this season. We are going to get an 82 game regular season this year. Had to stop that the last couple of seasons, 72 last year. It was 66 the year prior, right? Where they had to end it early. Is that yes, about right? Yes, it was. It was 66, yes. That's what I thought. So for the Charlotte Hornets and around that uh, number for other NBA franchises, here we're going to go the full 82, and the over-under number is set for 38 and a half. Now, Nada, 38 and a half, 
just a tick below uh, 500 for the Hornets this season. Do you think that is a fair number? And regarding that, do you think that they're actually going to finish over or under the 38 and a half given to them? If you told me right now that they would have that again, if I looked at the schedule right now and assumed that everything went well, I would go over. You told me that it would be 70 games at 70 games of Gordon Hayward. It would be at least a full season of health for LaMelo ball. I would possibly go over, but at the same time, there's this sneaking suspicion. And I've just said it in the first segment that this team is, this is going to be one of the most competitive regular seasons in a long time. And for right now, with everything that we're talking about, and especially considering the schedule, and that December road trip, not even to begin the season, but that December road trip where they're going to Denver, Phoenix, they're going to a whole bunch of teams in a lot of days in the middle of December, right before Christmas. I got to go under because I think the first half of this season is going to be absolutely brutal. I do think that they're going to be around a spot where they can compete for a playing spot. But if anyone's expecting a playoff spot, after looking at that at this schedule, I, I really got to ask what you're smoking and can I have some? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a fair number. And if you compare it to last year, the 72-game regular season that they had, they finished 33-39. and 39. Now, at the beginning of this, there was a point where they got to the four seed, and then at the end, Gordon Hayward gets injured, never comes back. LaMelo misses a lot of time. Malik misses a lot of time. Devontae Graham kind of in and out of the lineup, and they eventually lose more games. They get destroyed in the play-in game. They finish again, 33 and 39. So if they would have played those 10 games and just even given them a 500 record in those last 10 games, where would they have finished? They would have finished with... 38 wins, just a tick below the 38 and a half allotted to them this season. I would say right now, I think that is a perfect number. I'll say that they go over and it's barely. And look, I, I think Andy Bailey tweeted this one time a couple of years ago when Josh Lloyd, who is host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, he had all of the different Locked On hosts and ask them the over under. What do you think that their team is going to hit? And everybody goes with the over. I don't want to be that person, but at the same time, I've gone with the over the last couple of seasons and have been right about it. Usually the Hornets have finished over the last couple of, I mean, they, they have the last couple of seasons with what Vegas has set for them. For the most part, this one is more appropriate this year, I think. Yeah. And, and I think that the Hornets, you know, to ask them to finish bait close to 500, I think that's fair. And I think they can get there. Now, what this is predicated on, it's predicated on Miles and PJ and LaMelo all improving, or at least Miles at the volume in which he played with last year, playing at that consistency, right? Because we've talked about it. He was pretty rock solid all year long. It's just at, at a way smaller volume at the beginning because they weren't relying on him. People yeah. get injured and then they start to rely on Miles. So can he play with even close to that volume? at a very similar consistency level. Can PJ, instead of having the hot months and the cold months, can he start to level out a little bit more and still bring the defensive intensity? Can LaMelo take that step up in his second year to be the future superstar that a lot of people are pegging him to be? So it, it, it is predicated on so much internal improvement, especially with other teams getting better. You know, we've yeah. gone through this before, right? Brooklyn, if they can stay healthy, and that's a big if, 
But Brooklyn is clearly more talented. Philadelphia, even with their Ben Simmons problem, uh, problems, they have an MVP candidate in Joel Embiid. That, that alone is going to have you above the Hornets at this point. Philadelphia is there. Milwaukee, New York at least kept their core. And New York, I don't think, is going to go anywhere at least this season. And they can have internal improvement. Emmanuel Quickly, R.J. Barrett. Like, if you're saying that about the Hornets, then you have to kind of say that about the New York Knicks, too, with some of the young guys they have. Atlanta, same thing. Miami, Boston, bam. That's seven teams that I feel pretty comfortable with saying they're going to finish above the Charlotte Hornets. And then you get to Chicago. the Indiana Pacers and the Chicago Bulls. And then right there, you're in play in territory already for the Charlotte Hornets. So... I think this is an appropriate number. I'll say the over, but honestly not. I don't feel 100% great about it. Nor do I. And there are going to be people that are listening to this that are going to say they were as high as fourth with everybody healthy. And I want to point out that, like, I get it, pump, but pump your brakes a little bit. Last year was a very, very weird year in terms of shooting numbers. I think that's going to come down with, like, the crowds being back and everything else like that. They're going to be crowds at these games. That's a really good point. That that like, actually not a, that's a really good point as far as like people seeing some shooting spikes because people not being at the games. We know about the bubble effect where you just mm -hmm. continue to shoot on the same goal and then you get to a point where it, it, I completely agree. Like I've seen some people throw that around uh, last year and I don't think we really talked about it all that much. Like that's the thing though. I think that last year was an aberration in terms of how good this team kind of was. I also think that they caught a lot of teams with their pants down thinking that this was the same little Hornets crew. I really kind of worry about this. Like, this team could not perform as well in the wins column and still be better. And it basically be a function of everybody else in the Eastern Conference getting better. Because at this point, who's the team outside of Washington that, was, that finished in the playoffs that you could say demonstrably got worse? Maybe Indiana? And I stress. Oh yeah, and I don't. And they're and they're getting guys back. Remember, yeah. like T.J. Warren was injured most of the year, and T.J. Warren is expected to come back. You know, they haven't traded Miles Turner yet. We'll see what happens. But even if they trade him, you might be looking to upgrade that roster. So maybe they just get some pieces in turn that can help them. You still got Ma Malcolm Brogdon, right? Like the Pacers. I didn't even mention them as a team that I'm for sure expecting them to be better, and yet that that's a team. Just to give everybody uh, an idea of the over-under set for everybody else, I'll go through these teams once again and give the bet online over-under number. Brooklyn is set at 55 and a half. Milwaukee is set at 54 and a half. Philadelphia set at 51 and a half. There's three. Atlanta and Boston are both set at 46 and a half. There's five teams there now. You look at the 42 and a half numbers, they go to Chicago and Indiana. I missed Miami, who's 48 and a half. New York is 42 and a half as well. And then you get to the Charlotte Hornets who are 38 and a half. They're the next ones on that list. They're Toronto and the East on that, by the way. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, like I, I, I can see why the Hornets are where they are because of where the other teams um, uh, land and what they did this off season and what they did even before that. Yeah. Like that's the thing. I'm just that and I guess what we're trying to do, we're not trying to be negative because I know this is what's going to happen. Like no, y'all no. are going to listen to this podcast, y'all going to declare us negative, and then when the season comes around and this team is basically underwhelming a whole bunch of your expectations, you're going to come back right back to us and tell us we were right anyway. Like this is my point about this. This is this is my point. We're trying to keep your expectations low so that you don't come back to us and say we've sold you a false bill of goods. 
we, I, I want to be honest about this team. You can be excited about this team. You can think that this team is going to be really, really good. I'm not going to be the one to try and put, pop your bubble on this. But what I am going to do is I'm going to be like, look, you see those two lights coming from the other end of the tunnel? That's not necessarily a whole bunch of Tinkerbells coming the way, coming your way. It's going to be, it's an oncoming train. You can either get in that tunnel or you can stand to the side and let the, t the train go through and then you continue through the tunnel. What I'm trying to do, what we're trying to do is warn you that, hey, guys, this team is, may have gotten better. It may not show in the wins and it's okay for that point at this point. All right, let's talk about the schedule and some of the primetime games that the Hornets get. There is more than you're used to being a Charlotte Hornets fan. We'll get to that in just a moment, but not before I bring you the goods on rockauto.com. The episode is brought to you by, rock, uh, by rockauto.com with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. The prices are reliably low for every single customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their hat in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Let's break down the schedule coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. I do not like the MB2 nickname. That oh, it's bad. Lamelo, come yeah. on, man. I mean, look, I, I love everything else about you, but the MB times two. How in the world do you not like Airbnb, but you like MB times two? I yeah. that's that's bad. We can't allow him to create, and that's the that's the, the reason the rule exists. You can't give yourself your nickname. You can't do no, that. Exactly. So, this is as I'm, bad as Kevin Durant wanted to call himself the servant. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. All right, Nada, let's talk about the highlights of the season ahead for the Charlotte Hornets. And the first one, we'll just talk about the first game in the NBA debut for the Hornets this season. It's coming up on Wednesday, October 20th. So basically mm -hmm. two months away as of this point, as of this recording, and they'll open up against Indiana. Now, I said this on the show the other day. The on, revenge on, game. The revenge on, game. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I hope it's the revenge game. That was a brutal, brutal loss in the play-in tournament, man. That was the biggest flat we we all were excited. Hey, maybe the Hornets can actually sneak into the playoffs and then eventually they just get destroyed immediately by the Pacers. But I feel like the Hornets always open up with a Midwest team and the Indiana Pacers are so frequently their opening game. At least I feel like that. I, I haven't, I still didn't, I didn't do the research on every opening game, but I feel like mm -hmm. the Pacers are there. I feel like Milwaukee, the Bulls a couple of years ago was their opening. Yeah, like the Midwest, even them being in the Eastern Conference, those are the teams we open up against, and it's no different here against Indiana October 20th. It's no different. It really is. Like, we get a whole bunch of – the best part is that the Hornets get a whole bunch of home games early. Now, granted, they get one of those murder-death-kill games being the Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn Nets opener, which is always fun because, again – Opening up against that, again, being the home opener is basically being the homecoming team at a HBCU game. You're about to get That's right. off the field. So That's right. I, I, I really do think that this is going to be one of those situations, like when we start talking about the opening games and everything else like this, this team needs to get off to a strong start because if not, 
they're going to let you know. Like, literally, you're going to know everything you need to know about this Hornets team by January, by New Year's Day. I want to tell you guys that up front right now. Everything so, you need to know, we'll, we'll, have a, we'll have a good temperature on this team by January 1st. If they're still good or if it's it, – or if it's – are we going to start seeing people sold off for parts? Like, we're going to know by January 1st. Like, everybody will know. So the other thing is that they do have four nationally televised games, which is more than we're used to. And this is not counting NBA TV. We used to have to count that. And now we don't necessarily have to anymore because we get four ESPN games, zero TNT contest, but we get four ESPN games and we actually get two um, before November 3rd, which is nuts. So, I mean, even the first two weeks of the season, Nada, we're going to be on ESPN October 29th on the road against Miami. And then the other ESPN game, that's right after that, it's going to be Wednesday, November 3rd on the road against Golden State. So a West Coast uh, ESPN game. The other two, they'll be coming later in the season, January 19th on the road against Boston. That's an ESPN televised game. And then the only one at home at the Spectrum Center, February 9th, the Charlotte Hornets will take on the Chicago Bulls. That will be on ESPN. We do have four NBA TV games as well. The four NBA TV games, the first one comes against the LA Lakers, November 8th. The second one comes against Milwaukee. Both really good teams. Mm-hmm. The third one comes against Milwaukee on the road. And the fourth one comes against Dallas, which is probably the worst team out of all of those. And Dallas is still a, a good team, of course, with an MVP I candidate on remembers, it. I, remember, I wonder if Luca remembers this team. Uh, again, the Hornets blowing him out in that early game last season. We've like, always had interesting games against Dallas, whether they're yeah. just blowouts or like I, I feel like. And I remember that one time where it was the most winnable game of the season for any NBA franchise because the amount of rest that the Hornets had and the lack of rest that Dallas had and still the Mavericks were able to win. Do you remember that game? That was like oh, a couple I years ago. The, that was the game. I think we said the season was over and <laughs> that was such the, a bad loss. Yeah. Because, I think that I mean, was the game. Yeah. That we said like, yeah, it's all it, we're done. We're done. Um, but those are the televised games. And so what do you think about four ESPN games? Not a, an eight. If you want to count the NBA TV contest. I do believe that this is a beautiful thing. Um, this team has a brand. This brand is going to show up to be very, very popular. And it's going to be – this is just another step. People are going to want more of these national games. We're going to hear about all these national games. The problem with these national games is unless they win these national games a lot and prove to be very entertaining, it really doesn't mean a hill of beans. So the only thing that really matters is that they show up. I just hope this team shows up, does well, and therefore you can get more national games. And also, considering that everything with Bally and everything else like that, this may be a lot of Hornets fans' only chance to really see this team without having, pay, without having to pay $25 on an app to see them. So you look at some of the road trips and some of the homestands. The the first significant stretch like that, it comes right at the beginning of November. So November 3rd, I mentioned that game on uh, on ESPN at Golden State. They're going to have their West Coast road trip. So right out of the gate, basically, after the first uh, maybe seven, eight games of the season, Golden State, Sacramento, L.A. Clippers, L.A. Lakers, and Memphis in that Clippers-Lakers game, that's going to be a back-to-back. So that's a five-game West Coast road trip they're going to be on. They'll come back home, and they'll actually play four games in a row at home, and one of those games is against Golden State. So you're done with the Warriors by November 14th. 
Um, so you're done with that. And then you get to the next impress, uh, uh, excuse me, long stretch. There's a four game road trip, uh, at the end of November. Then you have another long road trip. I, there's a decent amount of road games here in the early mm-hmm. portion. So then you have another West coast road trip. December 13th is when that starts. So at Dallas, at San Antonio, at Portland, at Phoenix, at Utah, that Phoenix and Utah game, that's a back-to-back. And then at Denver, you actually get a couple days rest there. But that's a six-game West Coast road trip that you'll play to finish basically the month of December out. There's two more games. You'll play one at home and one on the road. Um, but is that the most significant stretch of the season to you, Nada, right yeah, there, that six-game West that six Coast game road trip? trip? That six-game road trip, if they survive it, like I've made the joke on Twitter, and I really do believe this. If they, if the Hornets end up over 500 by New Year's Day, just give Borrego the Coach of the Year award right there, because that is a <laughs> very, very difficult stretch to begin the season, and for a younger team that doesn't have too many vets to lean on right now at this point, and you're relying on so much internal development, like that's sink or swim. And granted, that's something that you want, that you have enough talented guys to where you can go, we're going to sink or swim with our guys. But this is kind of why I was screaming about, and I know Walker was screaming about it too, where you kind of need more vets and you're going to need another veteran big man. And again, I I love this team. I want to see them do well. I just don't think the schedule's conducive for them to do so this year, at least early. We may see some fun stuff later, but... These guys are going to get their wigs pushed in early, probably. I do I do think they have a chance to make up some ground as the season goes on, of course, depending on health status and how good these guys have gotten, how much they've improved. And so let's just basically start this at March. So you end February with a game against Milwaukee on the road. That's the second night of a back-to-back. It looks like a pretty scheduled L. Um, then you start March, March 2nd at Cleveland, San Antonio, two winnable games for sure. Mm -hmm. Then it's Brooklyn and Boston, which you're going to be the underdog against on the road against New Orleans, on the road against Oklahoma City, both even if they're on the road, winnable games and you get plenty of rest in both of those contests as well. Then you get Atlanta at home, Dallas at home, New Orleans at home, New York at home, Utah at home, man, I think a wishful schedule i mean look that you got good teams a couple of them but like maybe a three and two but could you squeeze out a four and one record with an upset i don't know on the road against brooklyn then versus denver two tough games but then you get new york you get philadelphia miami then you have finished with orlando chicago washington like i just feel it it probably it's probably a good mix of of a couple of different good and bad teams but you have that five game home stretch to help you out. You start yep. off with Cleveland. You get a decent amount of rest in the second part of all of this. Um, so, like, I don't know. I just feel like there's a way just looking at it here that the Hornets can maybe make up some ground as the season goes on. I, I do think that there's a, there's pockets that they can make up ground. February it's probably a good way big, to describe it. Yeah. February being one of those big months to make up a lot of ground. But it's just this team. The margin for error to make the playoffs is very, very, very slim. And granted, we're not factoring injuries or anything else like that. And we're talking about the season and we have two months to go. But two months out, this looks like a daunting task to get to that top six. And that's where I'm concerned. Like if this if you guys want to talk, if anyone wants to talk about avoiding the play in, 
This team is going to need, like we've said earlier, rapid improvement because the teams around them have gotten better. I, I really do want, like I said, I want to believe in this team. I want to believe in the playoffs. I just need to see from what we la- from the way we last saw this team. I'm gonna need to see a lot more improvement, and maybe the maybe Gordon Hayward on load management does something. Maybe Kelly Oubre has a slightly bounce back year, and maybe Book Knight turns out to be the real thing. But for right now. I do wonder how this team is going to score on a nightly basis. And then more importantly, how is this team going to defend? And can this team, after several back-to-backs and playing legitimately 82 games, how that is going to affect them, especially down the stretch late, and this team not necessarily being the deepest of teams at this point? Yeah, you have a you have to have a lot of things break right for you. That's just what it is. It's especially with the way that other teams did get better this offseason. And the Charlotte Hornets, they made some some moves I think that at least weren't expected. Maybe you like what they did this offseason as a whole. I don't know, but they certainly weren't expected from every single uh, move that they made. And I've mentioned this a million times, man, they, they are relying and sometimes it's okay, but they are relying a lot on internal improvement from some of the young guys that they've drafted over the co- uh, over the course of the last couple of NBA drafts. All right, that wraps up this edition of Locked on Hornets. Thanks again to Built Bar for supporting the show. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NBA, Hollinger and Duncan, any show on the Locked on Podcast Network. Also a big shout to Sweat Block and a big shout to you guys thanks again have a great rest of your day we'll be back with you tomorrow